0: Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. This morning, Chapter 4, Spiritual Gifts, Volume 1, or the 1828. No. The 1828 uh, Great Controversy. Sorry. I almost said something else. Okay, the First Advent of Christ, Chapter 4. That I was carried down to the time when Jesus was was to take upon himself man's nature, humble himself as a man, and suffer the temptations of Satan. His birth was without worldly grandeur. He was born in a stable, cradled in a manger. Yet his birth was honored far above any of the sons of of men. Angels from heaven informed the shepherds of the advent of Jesus, while the light and glory from God accompanied their testimony. The heavenly host touched their harps and glorified God. They triumphantly heralded the advent of the Son of God to a fallen world to accomplish the work of redemption and by his death bring peace, happiness, and everlasting life to man. We wouldn't have everlasting life if Jesus didn't bring it to us. It's through Christ that we can have life. Satan lied to Eve. He said, you will not surely die, but be as God. God is a spirit and lives in heaven. God told us we would die and they had a tree of life in the Garden of Eden. They wouldn't have needed that if they had immortality. We don't have immortality. Eternal life is through Christ. It's a gift of God. Okay. So I'm going to read that sentence again. They triumphantly heralded the advent of the Son of God to a fallen world to accomplish the work of redemption and by his death bring peace, happiness, and everlasting life to man. God honored the advent of his Son. Angels worshiped him. Angels of God hovered over the scene of his baptism. And the Holy Spirit descended in the shape of a dove and lighted upon him. And as the people stood greatly amazed with their eyes fastened upon him. Okay. Now, what was it? It was the father's voice. The father's voice was heard from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son and thee I am well pleased. He didn't send an angel for that message, to thee. He spoke himself. John was not certain. Remember that God is spirit and he spoke over his son's baptism. John was not certain that it was the Savior who came to be baptized of him in Jordan, but God had promised him a sign by which he should know the Lamb of God that that sign was given, as the heavenly dove rested upon Jesus, and the glory of God shone round about him. John reached forth his hand, So, I just want to go over this. It was the glory of God that shone around him. It was the voice of God that shone around him. And God is a spirit. And he himself came to his son's baptism. He didn't send somebody else. Okay. The glory of God shone round about him. John reached forth his hand, pointing to Jesus, and with a loud voice, cried out, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John informed his disciples that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. As his work was closing, he taught his disciples to look to Jesus and follow him as the great teacher. John's life was without pleasure, it was sorrowful, self-denying. He heralded the first advent of Christ and then was not permitted to witness the miracles. And enjoy the power manifested by him. He knew that when Jesus should establish himself as a teacher, he must die. His voice was seldom heard except in the wilderness. His life was lonely. He did not cling to his father's family to enjoy their society, but left them in order to fulfill his mission. Multitudes left the busy cities and villages. And flocked to the wilderness to hear the words of the wonderful, singular prophet. John laid the axe at the root of the tree. He reproved sin, fearless of consequences, and prepared the way for the Lamb of God. That's hard. You know what happens when you teach something that the Bible teaches, but that the rest of the world does not believe. People get angry. They don't like to be corrected. But Jesus was very humble, and Moses was the meekest of all men. But we have to be able to receive truth and humble ourselves, and we have to be able to be willing to be disliked and put down. We have to be willing to teach truth. John laid the axe at the root of the tree, we're told. He reproved sin fearless of consequences. He prepared the way for the Lamb of God. Herod was affected as he listened to the powerful, pointed testimonies of John. With deep interest, he inquired what he must do to become his disciple. John was acquainted with the fact that he was about to marry his brother's wife while her husband was yet living, and faithfully told Herod that it was not lawful. Herod was not willing to make any sacrifice. He married his brother's wife, and through her influence, seized John and put him in prison. There, confined, John heard through his disciples of the mighty works of Jesus. He could not listen to his gracious words, but the disciples informed him and comforted him with what they had heard. Soon, John was beheaded through the influence of Herod's wife. I saw that the least disciple that followed Jesus witnessed his miracles and heard the comforting words which fell from his lips was greater than john the baptist that is they were more exalted and honored and had more pleasure in their lives john came in the spirit and power of elijah to proclaim the first advent of jesus i was pointed down to the last days and i saw that john was to represent those who should go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to herald the day of wrath and the second advent of Jesus. We still have that to look forward to, don't we, with the outpouring of the latter rain. After the baptism of Jesus in Jordan, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Holy Spirit had fitted him for the special scene of fierce temptation. Forty days he was tempted of the devil, speaking of Jesus in Jordan, and in those days he ate nothing. Everything around Jesus was unpleasant, from which human nature would be led to shrink. He was with the wild beasts and the devil in a desolate, lonely place. Wow, this tells us this is the wilderness of Jordan, so we know about what's going on over in Jordan today. Now we get a better idea of where Jesus was. He was with the wild beasts and the devil in a desolate, lonely place. I saw that the Son of God was pale, emaciated through fasting and suffering, but his course was marked out, and he must fulfill the work he came to do. Satan took advantage of the sufferings of the Son of God and prepared to beset him with manifold temptations, hoping he should obtain the victory over him, because he had humbled himself as a man. Satan came with this temptation, if thou be the Son of God. Notice that that's the first thing he hits Jesus was, with, is whether he's the Son of God. He couldn't stand it in heaven that Jesus was the Son of God and not a created being, and he still can't stand it. He tempted Jesus to condescend to him and give him proof of his being the Messiah. By exercising his divine power, Jesus mildly answered him. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Satan was seeking to dispute with Jesus concerning his being, the Son of God. He referred to his weak, suffering condition and boasted, boastingly affirmed that he was stronger than Jesus. That the word spoken from heaven, thou art. My beloved Son, in Thee I am well pleased, was sufficient to sustain Jesus through all his sufferings. I saw that in all his mission he had nothing to do in convincing Satan of his power and of his being the Savior of the world. Satan had sufficient evidence of his exalted station and authority. His unwillingness to yield to Jesus' authority shut him out of heaven. Satan, to manifest his strength, carried Jesus to Jerusalem and set him upon a pinnacle of the temple and God let him do that didn't he and Jesus trusted his father to care for him even then okay and he tempted him that if he was the son of God to give him evidence of it cast himself down from the dizzy height upon which he had placed him okay so I'm going to insert here that I believe that they have a, a prophecy or a belief over there they've had that the Messiah would come from the top of the temple in power and that that's how they would know that that's who he was. And so Satan tempted him to do that. I have often thought that he may have told him, there's no other way for you to get down from here unless you jump down and they believe that's how you're going to come. I mean, I don't know this, okay? I've just heard that that was true, but also oh, to manifest his strength, he carried Jesus to Jerusalem. He set him upon a pinnacle of the temple. Again, tempted him that if he was the Son of God, to give him evidence of it by casting himself down from the dizzy height upon which he had placed him. Satan came with the words of inspiration, For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, Satan wished to cause Jesus to presume upon the mercy of his father risk his life before the fulfillment of his mission. He had hoped that the plan of salvation would fail, but I saw that the plan was laid too deep to be thus overthrown or marred by Satan. I saw that Christ was the example for all Christians when tempted or their rights disputed. They should bear it patiently. They should not feel that they have a right to call upon God to display his power that they may obtain a victory over their enemies unless there is a special object in view that God can be directly honored and glorified by it. I saw that if Jesus had cast himself from the pinnacle, it would not have glorified his father for none would witness the act but Satan and the angels of God and it would be tempting the Lord to display his power to his bitterest foe it would have been condescending to the one whom Jesus came to conquer. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou, therefore, wilt worship me, all shall be thine. In other words, you don't have to die to get this back. I'll give it to you. Just worship me. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Here, Satan showed Jesus the kingdom of the world, the kingdoms of the world, rather. They were presented in the most attractive light. He offered them to Jesus if he would there worship him. He told Jesus that he would relinquish his claim of the possessions of earth. Satan knew that his power must be limited and finally taken away if the plan of salvation should be carried out. Of course, you know that was a blatant lie because if Jesus had worshipped him, Satan would have won and he would have still had control of the world. It was a blatant lie and Jesus didn't fall for it. He knew that if Jesus should die to redeem man, his power would end after a season, and he would be destroyed. Therefore, it was his studied plan to prevent, if possible, the completion of the great work which had been commenced by the Son of God. If the plan of man's redemption should fail, he would retain the kingdom which he then claimed. And if he should succeed, he flattered himself that he would reign in opposition to the God of heaven. Satan exalted when Jesus left heaven and left his power and glory there. He thought that the Son of God was placed in his power. The temptation took so easily with the Holy Peronidon that had he hoped he could with his satanic cunning and power overthrow even the Son of God and thereby save his life and kingdom. Hmm. You know, that was pretty arrogant, wasn't it? Because if he had caused Jesus to fall and he could reign in opposition to God, all life comes from God. And he would be putting God into a position where he had to keep him alive, he thought. Or I don't know what he thought, but um, it was pretty arrogant. But if he could, I'm going to read again. If he could tempt Jesus to depart from the will of his father, then his object would be gained. We cannot let him cause us to depart from the will of our father. That's why we need to surrender our will to God in all things and everything give thanks because it's our only protection. Jesus bid Satan get thee behind to get behind him. He was to bow only to his father. And here again, he was to bow only to his father. And Jesus called him his father and his God because Jesus was his son, therefore subordinate to him. God the father is the ultimate God. Jesus is his son. He is a, He's God also because he was born of God. <clears throat> but it's not a trinity. It's God the Father. It's the Godhead. God the Father and his son. And they share their spirit. But I don't want to go there too much. I don't mean to offend anyone. It's so important. You do not realize, maybe you do not realize how important it is to know this. He was to bow only to his father. The time was to come when Jesus should, well I'll tell you the reason why, if there was a Trinity, it does, it does away with the plan of salvation. It does away with the cross. It does away with redemption. And that's something you'll have to look into, okay? He was to bow only to his father. The time was to come when Jesus should redeem the possessions of Satan by his own life. And after a season, all in heaven and earth should submit to him. Satan claimed the kingdom of earth as his, and he insinuated to Jesus that all the sufferings might be saved. He need not to die to obtain the kingdom of this world, but he might have the entire possessions of earth and the glory of reigning over them if he would worship him. Oh, maybe uh, maybe if he would worship him, then Jesus would be forced to become part of Satan's kingdom and then Satan would still be the ruler. Oh, how insidious. Anyway, Jesus was steadfast. He chose his life of suffering, his dreadful death, and in the way appointed by his father to become a lawful heir to the kingdoms of earth, and have them given into his hands as an everlasting possession. Satan also will be given into his hands to be destroyed by death, never more to annoy Jesus or the saints in glory. You know, it's very difficult to understand the concept of, of winning through losing, or it appears to be losing, but in fact he won, didn't he? Jesus won the victory. And uh, winning through losing, he submitted, submitted, surrendered, surrendered, was surrounded by a wall of protection by God, and he won in the end. And um, we, he has the earth as an everlasting possession now, and Satan lost. So by surrendering to the Lord's will in our life, ultimately we will win, even though our pride may take a hit. But pride is so hateful because it separates us from God. Be willing to surrender. I have to go over this myself every day, sometimes more than once a day, to surrender to the Lord's will. It's because self wants to rise up. And uh, I just listened to the book of James this morning, and he talked about God being the author of the law. And here it is, the New Testament, for those who have to have the New Testament only. It was speaking of the law, and that God was the author of the law. And the law in the fourth commandment reveals who God is, it reveals his seal and his sign, his authority to give the law. And um, we want to submit and surrender to this law because it's our protection. It's a wall of fire around us. I Just like what it was referred to in the book of Job. And our submission and obedience to the Lord gives us back our true freedom. Amen. Hello. guess i could go on but i will try not to um have a wonderful day i'll see you in the morning tomorrow morning chapter five the ministry of christ that should be interesting god bless you today dear jesus please be with these who are with me here today protect them give them peace and surrender to your will in their life help us to be able to give thanks in everything for it's your will for us in jesus name amen